Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. Over 20,000 Texas farmers and ranchers have been approved for federal help under the CFAP2 program. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Dry weather trends continue to be a concern for Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. Avoiding mistakes with first-time plantings on rural property. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, let's kick it off with a look at news headlines. Here's Jessica Domel. Nearly 350,000 U.S. farmers and ranchers have been approved for aid through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program 2, or CFAP 2. According to the Farm Service Agency, $6.12 billion in payments have been made so far to farmers and ranchers who suffered a market loss or a reduction in commodity prices due to the coronavirus pandemic. In Texas, 20,481 applications have been approved by the Farm Service Agency, and $256.98 million has been distributed. Farmers and ranchers may apply for CFAP2 at their local Farm Service Agency office until December 11th. You may want to call ahead as an appointment may be required. The 93rd annual National FFA Convention officially kicks off Tuesday. Instead of an in-person event, bringing together thousands of students from across the U.S., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, this year's convention will be held virtually. The FFA general sessions will be streamed live on the FFA website, convention.ffa.org. FFA members can connect via Zoom through a member experience room. They can virtually visit the Expo Hall, where businesses and colleges will be on hand to discuss various career pathways in agriculture. The convention runs through Thursday. Again, that website, convention.ffa.org. That is convention.ffa.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Dry weather trends continue to be a concern for Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers. Harvey Buring has more from Corpus Christi. October has been relatively dry here in the Coastal Bend area, and that has uh, many locations running four to five inches below normal for the rainfall for this year. And after 16 consecutive days without rainfall, During October, a cold front here during the middle of the month did produce some widely scattered thunder showers that were very welcome. 
But uh, that rainfall event was highly variable, with uh, some locations only getting a few tenths, while others were lucky enough to get up to two and a half, two and three quarter inch of rain. Now, hay producers certainly enjoyed that ideal harvest condition that uh, was provided to them during the first two weeks of October, and they pulled up a lot of hay in the area. The demand for uh, Grass hay is expected to be pretty strong this winter as uh, many of the pastures are declining in their productivity quite early without October rains. Now, the USDA Cotton Classing Office over in Corpus Christi has continued to be very busy during October. Been classifying around 130,000 bale samples every week. And somewhere around uh, October the 10th, they surpassed the 1 million bale mark for the season for those uh, gins here in south and in the East Texas cotton production region. Uh, they continue to receive bale samples from 42 of their 49 gins in their trade area. Hay producers are certainly reminded of the soil testing campaign that's underway and you're encouraged to contact the AgriLife Extension offices in your area for sample bags and program details. Beef cattle producers are also reminded of the weekly cattle webinar series that'll be taking place beginning October 26th. It'll run through November 16th, and your local AgriLife Extension office can direct you to the online registration link for that program. Reporting from the Coastal Band area, this has been Harvey Buring. New plantings on rural property can be an opportunity to enhance that property's value. Tom Nicoletti visits with a College Station real estate expert. For today's program, we go to Tyler Jacobs. He is broker partner with Hall & Hall Partners LLP based in College Station and uh Tyler, uh, visiting with you again about various land issues in rural Texas. And today we're talking about uh, pasture and forage planting uh, on new property that people uh, may purchase. And uh, this is uh, sometimes uh, considered a a one chance uh, to make uh, permanent choices uh, for people, right? Absolutely. You know, over the years, selling to new buyers and then and maybe years later coming back and, and relisting that property or putting that property back on the market or, or even first-time encounters with new sellers, you know, you, you see the same things repeatedly. And it doesn't really matter what part of the state you're in. You kind of see the same principles apply. And, and just wanted to discuss and give, give your listeners a little bit of insight into what they ought to consider after they uh, purchase that property and, and consider making pasture and forage improvements. Yes, yeah, so you have had uh, much experience over the years, and you have seen some uh, situations where people uh, didn't think it through like they should. And uh, so let's talk about uh, things that to consider, such as site selection, uh, when we're talking about uh, planting uh, forage and pastures uh, uh, on new property. Absolutely. you got to remember, pasture, pasture is a, a permanent crop. And so the co- most common mistake you see made is is people try to put an improved forage variety on a very poor soil selection. So that's where soil mapping and, and, and soil knowledge becomes important. And, and sometimes even it's worth getting some professional help because you may spend $200, $250 an acre just planting 
an improved variety of Bermuda grass, and yet you've chosen a soil that will never support the growth of that. And and that'll end up being relatively disastrous by the time you cultivate that soil and and deal with erosion problems and stormwater before it's established, and, and you'll be buying fertilizer the rest of your life in amounts that will never overcome the poor site to begin with. So that's something we want to avoid. Know your soils, know their limits, and choose locations and forage varieties that will work in your best soils. And, of course, this would vary from region to region in the state of Texas. Absolutely, but the truth is still the same. You know, an improved variety in, in one part of the Texas may be a, a native seed, you know, such as or an old world seed, uh, such as beet all blue stem. And then we may on, you know, we may be talking about a Bermuda grass, you know, variety an improved Bermuda grass variety down closer to the coast where there's more rainfall. It just depends on the part of the state. But the but the truth, the truth is the same regardless of the region. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Yet another potential hurricane is taking aim on Louisiana, with Tropical Storm Zeta expected to make landfall there Wednesday. But farmers are still trying to get a handle on damages from two other massive storms. Don Molino reports from southwest Louisiana. Rice farmers in southwest Louisiana are still picking up the pieces from the latest two hurricanes to slam into that part of our world. Farmers Rice Milling Company was also hit hard, General Manager Philip Bertrand says the storms hit from different directions. The first storm, uh, it removed probably about a third of that roof. That was a permanent roof, and it was rated for 120 mile an hour winds. Well, industry-wise and standard-wise and code-wise, that, that, met, that met all the requirements. But as we know, it had, <laughs> had no chance. So we put a temporary roofing on it, and within weeks later, we had another storm from another direction because we were on the the west side of the storm for Hurricane Delta. And obviously, as you saw down below, it removed all the temporary roof. It drenched everything twice. And fortunately, we had a good group of employees that were stable enough at home to where they could start working over here. It wasn't a lot, but we had some. And, and how lucky we are to have that type of dedication. The aftermath of Hurricanes Laura and Delta will be around southwest Louisiana for quite some time, as is the case for storms of that size. The Port of Lake Charles was the target of a lot of the fury from those hurricanes. Farron Chartrand, Director of Cargo and Trade Development for the port, says they lost 80 to 85 percent of their warehouse space. Fortunately for us, our automated terminal where we handle bag rice uh, pretty much uh, survived unscathed. Uh, they had some uh, door damage and uh, some sidings missing, but uh, as of today, we are receiving cargo in the warehouse. You know, we came back and we did some remediation and uh, we did the best we could to accommodate the cargo that we do have and uh, accommodate the shipments that are coming up. And uh, so far, we've handled about uh, eight or nine vessels or so, and uh, we're keeping it moving. Uh, but as for repairs and reconstruction, you're looking at years down the road. Uh, one positive thing is uh, we kind of get a better idea of how we want to look in the future so we can kind of build warehouses and uh, you know truck loading bays and birds to where we can accommodate future cargoes. In southwest Louisiana, I'm Don Molino for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you plan on hunting near the Texas-Mexico border this fall, you must have your deer inspected before leaving the area. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And internal microorganisms can be both good and bad for horses. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Internal microorganisms can be both good and bad for horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. The microorganisms in a horse's intestine are known as the microbiome. The horse publication indicates there are around 100 feet of intestine in the horse that is full of bacteria, fungi, and protozoa, and some of these are good organisms and some are bad organisms. In general, nutritionist Ann Garber indicates that Streptococcus and Lactobacillus are considered bad organisms as they produce high levels of lactic acid, which can lead to colic. However, there are some good bacteria that help break down plant material, process nutrients, and convert the nutrients into energy. Some of the organisms also produce butyric acid, which aids in immune function, resulting in gut integrity. The microbiome can be affected by the diet also, as pasture grass, hay, and concentrates all promote different environments in the intestine. Starches from concentrated feeds can ferment in the hindgut, making it more acidic, and acidic environments decrease the function of good bacteria that are needed to break down plant cells. The microbiome can also be affected by exercise, obesity, environment, and stress. Certainly, the use of oral antibiotics can greatly affect the horse's GI system, as can any disease that causes diarrhea. The problem is trying to determine a single factor involved, and unfortunately, this is not possible. There are multiple factors that can affect the equine microbiome, and the horse can adjust given time. The important thing is to make sure any changes in feed or environment are conducted slowly, and this includes a different feed or even a new bag of the same feed, with a different lot number, a different hay cutting, or even a different pasture. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you plan on hunting near the Texas-Mexico border this fall, you must have your deer inspected before leaving the area. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on hunting deer in the Rio Grande Valley along the Texas-Mexico border, you will need to take precautions before leaving the area. Portions of Cameron, Jim Hogg, Jim Wells, Hildago, Maverick, Star, Webb, Willisey, and Zapata counties have established cattle fever tick quarantines. Dr. Muzaffer McDoomy, the Laredo Regional Director for the Texas Animal Health Commission, explains what that means for hunters. If the hunters harvest any cervids and exotic animals, including the white-tailed deer or nilgai antelope, the cape must be inspected of fever ticks. Now, if the hunters want to keep the hide, the hide must be treated before taking off of the premises. We certainly do not want the hunters to remove any hides out of the cattle fever 
Jeevatik quarantine premises without inspection either by a Texas Animal Health Commission inspector or a USDA inspector. These steps are necessary to prevent cattle fever ticks from spreading to unaffected areas of the state. So certain last stages ticks, for example, nymphs, are very tiny and may not be visible to the eye. Even though we're pulling off the adult ticks, which are larger in size, there's still a possibility of leaving a nymph on that hide. And if the hide is moved without treatment, the nymph will transform into an adult and drop off. So each adult female tick can lay up to 4,000 eggs, which means there can be up to 4,000 new ticks arising from that egg mass, and it can easily lead to initiation and perpetuation of the new fever tick infestation. We will have more with Dr. McDoomey on the next Texas Wildlife Radio Show. A map of fever tick quarantine areas is available on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market continues to struggle, but the cotton market is getting a big boost from Tropical Storm Zeta. We'll take a closer look at all of the cotton, livestock, grain, energy, and financial markets all coming up next. Keep it right here. This is Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in cattle futures to kick off the week on Monday. We ended up closing mixed with live cattle, mostly lower feeder cattle, mostly higher. Here's a rundown of the closing prices. October live cattle up 62, 103.97. December down 17, 103.40. February live cattle down 22, 106.40. Feeders mostly higher. October feeder cattle up 17, 133.70. November up 92 at 130.57. January up $1.22, 126.77. Cash fed cattle trade quiet on Monday, unlike last week. No sales to report, no bids from the packers, no asking prices from the feedlots. Boxed beef prices lower, choice down 95 cents, 206.54. Select down 259, 188.81. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Gonzalez Livestock Market, Gonzalez, Texas, selling 1,552 head over the weekend. Two to three hundred pound steers brought a dollar seventy to a dollar eighty five. Three to four weights a dollar fifty five to a dollar sixty five. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar twenty five to a dollar forty five a pound. Five to six weight steers a dollar ten to a dollar twenty. Six to seven hundred pounders a dollar five to a dollar eight. And seven to eight weight steers ninety seven to a dollar a pound. Slaughter cows, 28 to 56 cents. Slaughter bulls, 64 to 75. Stocker cows, 525 to 1025 a head. 
Cow-calf pears, $750 to $1,200 a pair. Let's head up to the panhandle now. Tulia Livestock Auction in Tulia selling 1,612 head last week. Feeder steers and heifers, $7 to $11 lower. Three to four weight steers bought $1.53 to $1.57 a pound. Four to five hundred pounders, $1.34 to $1.46. Five to six weight steers, $1.20 to $1.29. Six to seven hundred pounders, $1.14 to $1.25. Seven to eight weight steers range from $0.96 cents to $1.25 a pound. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher. December hogs up 72 cents, 67.75. February up 72 at 67.65. November class 3 milk up 51 cents, 22.70 a hundredweight. The climb just continues in the cotton market. This time we can thank Tropical Storm Zeta. It is expected to become a hurricane, and it's once again making a bullseye for Louisiana and what is left of that Mid-South and Southeastern cotton crop. That was enough to boost cotton sharply higher. December up 82 points, 72.11. March cotton up 85, 72.72. Rain in wheat growing areas of the U.S. put some pressure on the wheat market. Double digit losses. December Kansas City wheat down 17 and three quarters, 5.52. July down 16 and three quarters at 5.69 a bushel. Corn closed slightly lower. December corn down one and a half, four seventeen and three quarters. In the energy markets, November natural gas up six cents, three oh three. December crude oil down a dollar thirty three, thirty eight fifty two. In the financial markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropping six hundred ninety one points, twenty seven thousand six hundred forty four. The NASDAQ down 208, 11,339. The S&P 500 down 69, 3,396. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. So glad to have you with us. Be sure to catch us again tomorrow. We'll be right here waiting to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Terry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.